Good morning and welcome. This is WISNET Community Conversations, the show. I'm John Pedersen. I'm Sarah Miller. Um, this is episode one. We've got Tom Lang with us. Um, thanks for thanks for taking a look at this. Uh, we'll make mistakes. We're going to get it ready right after about forty shows, um, but this is this is the first one. Um, where do we go from here? Well, we should explain that normally WestNet Community Conversations are where we come to you, visit you in your region, um, in your area of the state. But we're not able to do that anymore for the time being. So we have spun up the idea of having biweekly online conversations, connecting people and strategies between interesting members of the WestNet community. And we're picking on Tom, uh, Vice President of Information Technology and Chief Information Officer at Chippewa Valley Technical College, and also Chairperson of the WestNet Board of Directors. Tom, can you tell us a little bit about what you do? How long you've been involved with WestNet? Anything else you think we should know? Sure. Uh, thank you for having me be the guinea pig. I, it's a pleasure. I'm happy to work with my friends at WestNet and and help um, try and reach out to the the WestNet community in a different way. I'm excited to to be part of this. So I've been at uh, CVTC for um, I'm in my ninth year, and prior to that, I worked in the K-12s for 16 years. So I'm one of the the old technology people that got to see a tremendous amount of change. And even in the last few months, uh, even more change than what I could have ever imagined in my entire life. Um, my role here at CVTC is to lead all of the IT systems. I'm also, um, we have three vice presidents um, at uh, CVTC and I have our four vice presidents. I'm happy to be one of them. And um, I'm leader in a couple of different areas. Um, in the technical college system, I lead a couple of initiatives, um, represent the technical college board at Wisnet. And uh, I also help lead uh, community area networks in sync. And I'm part of the um, Midwest Educational Technology Association, which brings the brainstorm conferences forward. So I have my, my feet in a lot of different pools and uh, happy to, to share what I've learned in the last few months and uh, lessons learned are where we all can grow. I'm going to start with this first question. Um, uh, a few weeks ago, we had a quick WISCNET board meeting uh, just to have our annual meeting to formalize that stuff. And afterwards, we asked each of the directors just to give us a little kind of five-minute overview of how this 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 pandemic situation has affected you. Uh, you, were, you were talking, you gave me a big aha um, around things like budgeting. I don't know how technical college system budgets, and I don't need to know that. But what is what impact is that having on your planning? Uh, I just think it was a, it was a unique situation. Well, our our budgets are uh, usually our fiscal end is June thirtieth, and our new budgets kick in July one. Um, what's happened with the delay at the state? Uh, we're hoping to have some budgets in October, so we're going to run the first couple months here blind, not knowing what our real budgets are. Uh, this happens at uh, the state level on occasion where, uh, you know, things get delayed and pushed back. So this is not super abnormal, but it's very difficult when uh, you're looking at, um, you know, talk of major reductions, like uh, the university system is seeing major cuts. 
the technical college system, we don't know. The K-12s, uh, they don't know. City and local governments are getting significant cuts and furloughs and layoffs and the county governments uh, as well. So this is a time that uh, is really tough. Um, our budgets are based on uh, our FTEs, so the number of students that we have that are returning. Um, obviously, a lot of uncertainty on how uh, our economy is going to look in the fall has really reduced our number of enrollees. Uh, we've been uh, lucky, the only technical college that's been up in FTEs for multiple years. Uh, we're not seeing that trend continue. Um, I, I believe we're either going to be flat or down. So uh, even on a good budgeting year, it would have been challenging. Uh, now we have a lot of uh, different things that are happening. Now, luckily, uh, we do have some other funds that are coming in that are helping us with our, our change of uh, on-prem classes to more virtual classes. Uh, we have CARES funding that is coming in from the federal government that we're able to spend on some technology items and virtual desktops, computers, uh, some wireless hotspots for students that didn't have good connectivity. And then we're using it for, for other items like uh, you know, staffing, because now we can only put so many people in a classroom or if, we're, if we have on site, or how do we do our labs a little bit differently? Or how do we have uh, door monitors and temperature checks at doors as people come in? Uh, funding masks and things like that for um, underprivileged people. So it, it's really a major shift uh, that we've had. And we've brought in a, a bunch of technology systems in order to help with the virtual learning and, and more access and everything from putting Wi-Fi in our parking lots to, you know, handing out devices and checking them out. Um, one thing is for our students, but all of a sudden, and in three days, we got notification and had to evacuate all of our buildings. So all of our staff had to have devices. Well, we didn't have devices sitting around for all of our staff. So we ripped apart computer labs and reconfigured and, and got devices for all of our staff so that they could continue to work from home. A lot of our faculty had devices or, or were in good shape, so we were lucky there. And uh, we had to figure out how to get everybody connected, uh, trying to get uh, an experience that would help them do their jobs from home. So we had to reconfigure our phone systems. We had Jabber clients that were out. So their phone system was right in their office and could run off of their, their laptop, wherever their home office happened to be. Um, so that's, that's really the budget impact. It's shifted where we can spend and how we can spend money. Um, there are other parameters that are in there that I've never seen before. Um, like, for example, the CARES money came in and we had to give um, money for student relief. Uh, that was a big part of the CARES funding. And at the same time, we were able to spend that money, but we could only spend up to the amount that we gave to students. So the incentive was to give money to students so then we could spend money on systems for our faculty. So it was something that we've never had before. And we had to keep really close tabs on uh, how to get that money out. And what a great incentive for getting the money into students' hands so we could get access to the rest of it. Yeah. So. 
Thank you. Um, yeah, thank you for that. It, kind of riffing off of that, if you could, uh, if you could rewind to last year at this time, remember that? I don't really, but <laughs> let's, let's roll with it. Yeah, if you if you could rewind, knowing that you'd be facing a global pandemic in you know March of twenty twenty, what's one thing that you think you might do differently? Probably push harder on our digital transformation initiatives. Uh, we were extremely lucky with having systems set up to run virtual classes and um, you know help the faculty with the tools. We're really fortunate with the path that we've gone down with our My Choice classes and having that flexibility. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that would probably be uh, what I would push on the hardest. And uh, we did have, you know, like our Microsoft Office implementation was solid. Uh, Microsoft Teams was just coming to become a great tool. Uh, We did not know that in one week's time it would go from a tool that was used, you know, every once in a while to a tool that is how we have all of our meetings, how we do all of our education. Um, we did enhance some of our licensing in Canvas. Luckily, we had Canvas implementation um, a year, well, two years earlier. So our faculty were competent with Canvas. So we had a solid learning management system for our curriculum. Um, so we were in really pretty good shape. Um, we put in uh, Dual for our authentication, which helped with the cybersecurity stuff when we're moving virtually as well. Um, Global Connect was another thing that we had um, for Palo Alto to be able to uh, connect to our network drives. Uh, we were had that in place. We had to enhance that licensing so everyone could use that and get to their, their documents. Um, and a lot of that shift was pushing documents to OneDrive, which was great. Um, you know, that was the, the big push on our digital transfer, transformation is just how do we quickly get the tools that the people needed to do to do their jobs from on-site to off-site and virtually? Uh, we had to redo some of our uh, online registration systems for students. We had to move our orientation programs to online. Um, you know, everything from um, application to registration to course expectations, everything got shifted to online really quickly. And we were already down that path a little bit. So that, that was really helpful. But I think we would have accelerated all of that had we known um, that this was coming. We were joking this morning, uh, talking with Brian Reamer, our chief technology officer, and he was saying, I, I lost so many years of my life going through the exercises and planning for things like pandemics. And then all of a sudden it's like, hey, you know, hey, great. Uh, we're here now. And this is what it's really like. Um, you, you can't plan for it. You try, um, but it's always, it's it's a huge challenge. And uh, we just kind of look at each other, even around here, you know, every day and go, I, what? Uh, uh, just keep going. Well, and I think so many places, so many places are not even prepared for that. I used to do uh, tabletop emergency exercises all the time when I worked for the university mm-hmm. system. And we never once practiced for a, for a pandemic. 
I mean, it was all active shooter, you know, somebody's trying to cook meth in their dorm, you know, weather event. And those things are super important, too, and probably way more likely to happen. But, I mean, pandemic just wasn't on the thing of of, the list of things we were practicing. We were very fortunate with uh, some of our, um, we have DMI, which is our district mutual insurance, which is an insurance company that's owned by the technical college systems. That's right. And in the last couple of years, we have really pushed our cybersecurity insurance policies and did tabletops with cybersecurity. Things like what if we had a tornado that took out our data center? How would we get business operations up and running? How would we move people remotely if we had fires at different campuses or, um, you know, those type of things? While we didn't practice the pandemic one, we practiced the results of uh, what the pandemic did give to us. So we already had a lot of those procedures in place. And really, it was, uh, we were actually quite ready. Um, I'm surprised how quickly things came together. Um, the Monday, you know, well, here's one of the things that we did do. We saw this coming and we decided that on Monday, I don't remember the date, but it was on Monday, <laughs> we were going to have half of our staff be at home and half of our staff come to work so that we could practice what it would be like in a virtual environment. So we fixed a lot of things on that Monday. On and then we were thinking we would probably be evacuating within the next week or two. Tuesday morning, we decided we were evacuating. <laughs> Wednesday, we were closed. So yeah. it went that quickly. So we were able to have a day of kind of practice to see what worked and what didn't work. And then um, we worked around the clock uh, with some of our our initiatives to to try and make things work the most seamlessly that they could. So, and this is one of the things we have uh, electronic uh, lights <laughs> that shut off. So yes, I apologize <laughs> for, for that. Unprofessional, but this is real video. So <laughs> this is live. You're welcome taxpayers. We're saving you money by having an automatic light shut off. <laughs> I find myself doing that a couple times every day too. Um, yeah. I think it was this summer, last summer, at this time, I think that time is time is gone for me. Um, but we were talking with you, and and you, I think, had just kind of been given the directive by your board. I, I don't know what they call them in the technical mm-hmm. college system, yep, but your board, board of trustees. Yep, the board of trustees. Um, you were given the the task of figuring out how to uh, address broadband, high speed internet mm-hmm. available through a large area. Um, and, you know, at, at that time, you know, that was kind of like, well, we don't know how we're going to do it. We're going to try some things, you know, and it was kind of like, that would be really nice to have. Uh, right now, it, people are getting serious about it, uh, you know, mm-hmm. after experiencing this. Uh, we're about six months down the road now. Do you see any improvements yet? Is, is it easier for you right now? Well, there's a bunch of stuff that's going on. Um, And I think the pandemic really helped enhance um, some of these efforts. And if nothing else, it did solidify the need to make sure that all of our students and and staff, and not just faculty, but our staff as well, have uh, adequate broadband to be able to work from home, uh, work remotely, learn remotely, uh, whatever the case may be. So uh, we... 
we had a little bit of um, extreme panic when this first happened, um, just like every other institution. And we did surveys with our deans. Tell us how many students you have that don't have good bandwidth and and could really benefit from having the um, uh, wireless hotspot and and those type of things. Well, the, the number that we had that brought came back from our our group was 480 hotspots were needed. Um, the good news is, is I couldn't order any of them because they were all back ordered by that. Wednesday that I found out we were evacuating, um, I was finally able to get 50 and brought those on site. Well, through the spring semester, we were only um, needed to check out 20 of them. And so really, we were very cautious. Um, I knew the 480 was not right, but I didn't think 20 would be the right number either. But what we did was we, because we couldn't get the hotspots, we communicated to our students of all the open Wi-Fi spots that we knew about in our communities. Everything from libraries to parking lots to uh, city county buildings to our buildings where we had wireless that spilled out. Um, you know, any opportunity that we could, we published it. And we we actually uh, worked with the PSC. We put their site on there, all the locations that they had as well so that we communicate to a student so they wouldn't have to drive in and, and try and sit next to one of our buildings that could work um, if they didn't have connectivity from where they were. So that was one of our, our first steps. Um, the modems uh, or the wireless hotspots when they first came in, um, they hit a couple of the, the people. We still did not check them out to any of our staff. Our staff were able to figure out something um, some of them had very low level uh, internet and then decided, okay, I'm going to be working from home. They upped it so that it was able to do video conferencing or whatever. Um, we only had a couple of them that uh, struggled with getting service in their certain areas. Um, ironically, some of them were really close to Eau Claire. Um, we had uh, some of our executive team was a mile and a half away from campus and could not get connectivity. So it was, it was really no, no absolute pattern. Um, we think of rural broadband issues. We think of it being out in the middle of cow country. That's not necessarily the, the deal. It may be a geographic location where there's hills or uh, valleys and, and just where homes are located may, may cause that to be an issue. And then we started thinking um, long-term after we met those initial needs. And uh, at a WISNEP board meeting, um, heard Kurt Kiefer talk about some of the initiatives that he was bringing forward with the K-12s of working with, um, you know, the telcos and trying to come up with something. And he'd been doing this since last fall, yeah. well before the pandemic. And this just uh, enhanced the, the speed of this. Um, I've been working with Kurt, um, staying in his ear saying, okay, when you're getting close and you have a plan, let's talk. Let's see if we can get the technical college systems involved. And uh, that happened this week. And now I'm working with uh, Kurt. Technical college systems um, are going to be trying to join up with the K-12s on some of their initiatives for this. Uh, business to business. So it's a lot of the major telco players. Uh, the DPI has done a wonderful job of uh, negotiating these contracts. 
and I'm hoping the technical college system can take advantage of those. Uh, for our students that, that need like a reduced cost for broadband while they're in their educational classes. That's basically what it's going to be for us. Um, for the K-12, it's obviously, you know, they're K-12 students. Um, it, that line is blurring a little bit because we have so many high school academies that attend technical colleges or they take classes at technical college for dual credit options. So it really kind of makes sense that we work together to come up with some of these solutions because that student that may be in a K-12 classroom might be attending one of the technical colleges for an hour or two or maybe even half or full time. Um, we have over in River Falls, some of our students that are going to be graduating from River Falls. And at the same time, when they graduate, they receive an associate degree because they've been in one of our programs. So I think you're going to see more and more of that, especially as we move to more of a virtual environment where the students can, can leverage some of these uh, dual options. Nice. Interesting. Yeah. I was, you know, I've got a, um, my daughter is, attending the UW-Madison um, for the first time this fall. And I just got a text that she's trying to get out of her housing contract now. That's a whole different COVID thing. Um, but I, I'm watching some of the online talk about, you know, students in Reddit communities that are trying to figure out what to do. You know, do I take a gap year? Do I do this? Do I do that? And I saw one this morning that was, you know, I'm going to try and dual enroll in the university and the technical college in computer science. And I'll do the computer science over at UW-Madison and I'll go for the networking program at, at, at Madison College. And I was like, oh, that's interesting. You know, it's, yeah. it's you have some flexibility in doing that right now. And uh, it'll be interesting to see how those lines continue to blur um, over time. Yeah, and, and now there are, um, you know, some of the results of the pandemic, and I think this pushes forward is uh, credit transfer agreements between the technical college system and the UWs and some of the private colleges. Um, those are, are becoming more solid and more accessible for students. So uh, it'll be interesting to see how the, the blurring of the lines between the K-12s and the technical college and the blurring of the lines between the technical college system and, and going on to get a bachelor's degree or a master's degree, it's blurring on both ends. And I think uh, it's a benefit to the students that are moving through the programs. Yeah. Um, I happen to be one of those lucky students that received an associate degree for my first degree. And when I went and got my bachelor's degree, I got to start completely over. I had no credits that transferred at all. So I probably got enough uh, class time to have a couple of doctorate degrees because I had to start over several times. Um, and that's not the case for our students anymore. I was one of those lucky people who went to tech college and a university and my, the majority of my credits transferred and it was an immense help. I mean, I was like, I think I had three semesters left to get my bachelor's after after all the transfers. I also went to like four different universities. So, I mean, that's another part of the story. Um, <clears throat> Sarah Miller in her twenties. Let's, that's another conversation. Um, but yeah, I, I think like I, I huge fan of technical colleges and I think the more they can work with, with private colleges or universities, the better off everybody is. Right. I mean, students, instructors, culture at large, society at large. I think those things are, are evolving and it's in a, in a, in a only a good direction. Yeah. 
Well, we have um, plenty of challenges that we still have with this working virtually does not work for a lot of our programs. Um, you know, we have, you know, hundred and I don't even remember the number. It's well over 150 programs. now. I think it's almost uh, getting up in the 175 area. And there are certain programs that you have to have certifications for lab components or clinicals or uh, you have to demonstrate skills before you receive your degree. Uh, we're yet to be able to get our students back into the hospitals to complete their clinicals. Um, students have to come back um, and do lab time. Um, you know, you don't want to have someone uh, that's going to be cutting your hair that has only watched videos on how to mm. do this. Um, you know, welders have to uh, actually do welding. Truck drivers have to drive trucks. So we've uh, redone how we do that. Where instead of having, you know, four people in the truck, you know, three students and an instructor, it's now one student, one instructor, both wearing PPE. And, you know, we're finding ways how to do this, but it's slower and it's more expensive. And that is uh, going to have a budget impact on the road. And that's where some of that CARES funding is helping out with, uh, with some of those costs. But every program area has come back with their reopening plans. And they're about as diverse as you can imagine. Uh -huh. um, you know, yeah. We have the, the solid items that are um, you know, the technology and the facilities. But that's about it. Um, everything else is different on what their requirements are i think the creativity coming out of this not just with you know like education but businesses has been i don't know if you can call it a positive side effect but it's yeah, been pretty yeah. impressive it's it's heartening to see all of that yeah people are creative and um you know that's a little bit of that uh, american spirit we hear about right uh you know you have a a challenge okay challenge accepted let's figure out how we can do this and yeah. we've had programs that um, they've said for years, there's no way this can be virtual. And then they tried it and holy cow, it worked. And then you have a phone call. Telephone call. So, uh, <laughs> and then you have, um, you know, people like me that, that never thought you would be able to manage uh, uh, technology systems uh, with a remote workforce. And we've been very successful and we have actually been more productive in many um, aspects than what we've been before. So I don't know. Uh, it, that surprised me. I really did not think that would be the case. And uh, very happy to see the results from a lot of our staff. Um, and they may stay working remotely until um, I don't know when until. Uh, it's going to be maybe when we have, uh, you know, some sort of uh, protection. We know that the immunizations are going to work or maybe this is the new normal. I'm not really sure. It'll be interesting to see how it all unfolds for sure. Well, last question for you, Tom, and this can be like anything you've already talked about. Very open-ended. What's the next level of thinking that you or we need to do here? From the WISNAP point of view, any point of view? Well, I think adapting to the new normal is going to be a challenge. Um, I'm looking around and I'm, I'm at work right now. And I'm the only one in the IT area that is at work right now. I'm looking at a huge cube farm that's out there where we have a bunch of office people um, 
that's not going to be acceptable anymore. Um, it's going to probably have to be in closed offices for the people that you bring back. And uh, who knows what it's going to look like in the future. And is it really, um, you know, our, our duty is to spend taxpayer funds the best we can. Well, if we're building office areas, that probably is not something that's needed anymore. So can we recapture some of those areas and convert it into classroom space? And if it's classroom space, probably lab components because we're switching a lot to virtual. So I think those are the, the biggest challenges. And from WISNET's point of view, um, you know, WISNET provides really great connectivity to anchor institutions. This is something that uh, was a challenge when I first, you know, joined up with WISNET and it's got to be 20 uh, some years ago now. And that has been accomplished and, and it works extremely well. Well, now those systems, a lot of them are moving to the cloud, are going in different directions. And I'm not sure in the virtual learning environment how much infrastructure we really need to have housed at um, our particular building. Um, we have our data center, so everything goes out there. That's part of the reason why we were successful because everyone is remote already. We attach to our data center. I think you're going to see smaller data centers pop up that actually, um, you know, control things and work with WISNET for that connectivity in getting that back to the campuses or to uh, local areas so the students can connect to those uh, local resources for um, the student's education. Um, I think the model will slowly change, and I don't really know what it looks like. Um, I'm, I struggle with some of our cloud uh, configurations because it goes back to budgeting again. Uh, we can capitalize on-prem equipment. We cannot capitalize uh, anything that's in the cloud. That's all operational expenditures. So that's the same buckets of money that we spend for our staffing. And that becomes a real challenge when I'm going to shift, you know, a million dollars from a capital investment to um an operational investment, okay, where are we recapturing a million dollars worth of labor? That doesn't happen. Um, so I think that's going to be uh, some of the challenges for a lot of the, the schools and, and uh, you know, technical colleges and even university systems based on how they can do their budgeting. So that's one thing. Um, I think WISNET's role in um, providing the connections with other members so we learn what others are doing is probably more important than ever. Um, I'm finding myself isolated a little bit from my team. Granted, I'm on Microsoft Teams all day long, <laughs> but I'm missing uh, the conversations that happen in the hallway and uh, the new person that's working down in admissions. I don't know them. Um, you know, it used to be at least I could put faces to names and and understand who did what, I think if we stay in this environment, that will be a big challenge for us. And I can see uh, tech people becoming isolated to some extent. They'll be able to do their jobs very well, but are they going to lose the alignment with uh, the faculty and staff needs? I think they have to be very purposeful to listen to them differently and more intently because you don't have those hallway conversations or you don't see them in a big meeting and understand what's going on in their areas. So it, 
I think that's probably, uh, ironically, we're all being forced to communicate online and communication, I think, is still going to be our biggest challenge. I'll send you a picture of Sheldon, the WISNET Zoombot that I built yesterday. It's a, it's a tripod with a camera and a Raspberry Pi on it with a 100-foot Ethernet cable, power over Ethernet. And uh, we're trying just to use it as a, a thing to to bring WISNET staff together. I mean, we're talking a lot one-to-one and one-to-many, but you can't get the many-to-many that you get face-to-face. Mm-hmm. And that's, a, that's, that's an issue we're just trying to deal with internally. And uh, we'll see what, what works. I'm interested in it from a technology standpoint. It's kind of fun, uh, but also a social standpoint. Because, yeah. Our, our video conferencing solutions have really changed attendance. Um, you know, we have presidential forums that we have, and we would our president travels from campus to campus, and everybody can come and talk about you know, issues at their campus or things they'd like addressed and, and those type of things. Normally the attendance is, you know, 20 people or so. I mean, they're not real big. Uh, we did one virtually and we had almost 200 people. Oh. <laughs> so, so, <laughs> so people are looking for information. Um, they're using the technology tools. And I think people are now um, getting comfortable using them. It used to be, oh, my God, I have a Zoom meeting. Oh, my speaker is going to work. Is this going to work? Or what do I do? Uh, you know, what are the alternatives? What if I can't get connected? Now, people don't even worry about it. They just know you're going to have some issues. Just work through them. It'll be okay. You just know, whip, and- your, whip your Zoom shirt off the back of your chair. Put it on. <laughs> <laughs> Hope the technology works. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, we're starting to get good at this. And now we're also shifting into the uh, let, let's purposely buy some of this equipment, you know, rather than just, you know, what's what's back in the closet. Um, you know, let, let's get some decent webcams and yeah. audio setups so that it's comfortable. We're switching um, our conference rooms to um, like little mobile broadcast areas. So people can do teams meetings and have groups um, from all of our conference rooms. Now we've got, you know, we're changing it because we always had dual monitors and a PC in there and, but we didn't have the cameras and we, you know, we had, speakers but we didn't have microphones so there we go there you, you didn't have lights you know. <laughs> that's, that's our cue that's our cue there you go. <laughs> that's our cue <laughs> well they're not coming back on so oh there you go okay. thanks for taking the time to talk with us tom it's it's good to oh see yeah you this again. is great and i i respect that you guys are trying uh, to reach out to the membership a different way um it is challenging and uh you know, there is a little bit of that uh, fatigue of watching uh, team meetings and webinars or WebEx or Zoom or whatever you have. Um, that gets old. Um, tomorrow I have seven interviews in a row tomorrow interviewing a candidate. And I'm excited. We finally have some applicants. Uh, no one was applying for positions for a long time. That was another challenge. But the other challenge is how do you onboard somebody virtually? Mm-hmm. That's a new thing for us. So, you know, let us every, know how it goes. <laughs> yeah. Well, every business operation that we used to do now is done differently. And uh, sometimes you don't cross them until, you know, you're at the end. You know, even when you have employees leave, what is the checkout process? You know, it's, yeah. it is different. So, it's different. 
Well, for, for anybody who's tuning into this later, um, for future Wisnet Community Conversations, the show, you'll be able to register for these at um, wisnet.net forward slash events, as well as watch some of the archives that John and I are slowly building as we uh, mess up and get better and mess up and get better and iterate. Also, um, we welcome any questions, topic ideas, or suggestions for guests. Um, and there's a form on on that same page, wisnet.net forward slash events, where you can drop in any of that information and it'll go directly to me and we can keep rolling forward with this with this experiment. So thanks again, Tom. You bet anytime.